literally been singing along with the uh, theme. I didn't mean to. Hi, everyone. It's Golf Spiritual Leader Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show along with Tim O'Connor, dear friend of all, dear friend of one and all, the uh, performance coach, coach of the Guelph Griffins, and available for bar mitzvahs, parties, and any other kind of get-together where joy is needed. Is joy needed? Call Tim. That's what I do. <laughs> Oh, you spread a lot of mirth yourself, young man. Oh, I'm mirth, but you're joy. There's a difference. Uh, this program is baked fresh in the wintertime, of course, every couple of weeks. Our friends at Taylor Made Golf, we're going to talk about them here in a second. Also, Jonathan Wong, J.W. Wong Apparel. And uh, what a good show we got. We're going to talk uh, all kinds of things in the world of golf. What are we doing? What do, what do uh, GSL and Coach Tim do in the wintertime? To stay golf sharp And uh, a little bit later I have an announcement uh, I'll tell you what I'll do STDs I'll just give you a, a, a little hint here What the announcement might be What it might have to do with Okay Oh cool Alright uh, Well uh, let's uh, start by the uh, the big story of the week uh, We both got the uh, tailor made email Why don't you make the announcement well, yeah, um, Taylor Maid has signed Brooke Henderson, and she's going to be um, uh, playing the TP5X golf ball and wearing the uh, Taylor Maid's Tour Preferred Glove. So that's big news. I mean, she is Canada's biggest golf star. She is an LPGA star. So for our good friends at Taylor Maid Canada, I think this is a, a wonderful signing. And I mean, she's a great ambassador. She's, you know, you know, great player, great person. So uh, it's very cool uh, for TaylorMade and for uh, for fans of uh, Brooke Henderson for sure. No, I agree. I think it's great for TaylorMade. I think it's great for all of us. She's early on in the podcast. Didn't we have her coach on? Yeah, uh, Tristan Mullaney. Yeah, who was her coach at the time. Now she's coached by her father, and he's been her coach for. It's about three, four years now. Yeah. Maybe even longer. I just remember early on we had some Brooke Henderson talk on the show, and she was at the time just a teenager still, like 18, something, 17, 18. She turned pro early. Remember that part of her career where she couldn't get on full-time status, and then she she won? Yeah, I think you're right. The LPGA, I think, has some kind of – um, minimum age rule. That's it. I'm not sure if they've changed it by now because there's so many young female phenoms. But yeah, she. Got, we've been doing this show for seven years now, and so I remember we had her coach on in the very first year that we were doing this, and um, it, it was interesting. I was at a a coach's seminar and he was wondering how it would go with dad <laughs> as the coach and uh, turns out pretty well yeah pretty good well you know what they say about isn't what's that phrase people talk about certain talents being undeniable yeah you know i mean and i don't li- listen for younger players i i'm so old now i mean you would have a better sense of how much impact a a coach can have on somebody but i i imagine a lot of it is kind of what you do, which is a lot. A lot of coaching younger athletes has got to be around, you know, just being there for them, mental, you know, support. A lot of it is providing a place for 
any athlete, quite frankly, but especially young people, to be able to kind of offload stuff that they really don't have other supports, if you will, or people they can offload on. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're being coached by your dad, I hope to heck you've got somebody that you can talk to. Uh, other than your mom <laughs> or or your sister, my caddy for you, um, who you can talk about what's really the stuff that's really going on. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, there was a time at you know, of course, Tiger Woods' father famously found another person. I, I think his name was Rudy something or other, but another person yeah. to coach Tiger, even understanding even then exactly what you said. Tiger would need somebody else, not only for the instructive, but also for the because there's certain things you can't tell your mom and dad. I know that. No, I know there's sir, there's many things I wouldn't have told my mommy and daddy. Well, it it can really be a hornet's nest, uh, as we've seen with uh, Korean players on the LPGA tour. There's a lot. Unfortunately, there's a lot of stories of these parents who really involved in every aspect of the player's life and they get burned out and it's led to a lot of estrangement and things. So I'm hoping that that is starting to sort itself out a little bit more as things go along. But um, I don't know. Did you ever coach your girls in any sports? Um, Not really. My oldest daughter was a really good soccer player and, you know, not super elite, but she kind of made it to rep in Oakville, which is pretty good. Oakville is a hotbed of soccer. In fact, Oakville, I know know this because she was in the system for years, but it's like one of the largest, you know, constituencies. I don't even know how I'm I'm, I'm screwing this up. The highest... uh, youth soccer organization in north america oh i can you can tell this is my day off it, it's the most <laughs> soccer it's a lot of soccer tim for young people <laughs> it, it is the highest soccer area in the world no just it's very anyway so to answer your question i could have just said no but i i did provide a sounding board for her for about seven years of going to soccer many times a week over the years. Yeah, no, the was, <laughs> well, I think if she played rep soccer in Oakville, which is a very high population Most area, soccer Oakville area world, North America. I mean, I mean, good player she was, is. There you go. Oh, um, that's great. So I was just to say about uh, – Coaching your kid in anything is can be really difficult. On um, you know, I think as a parent, you better have your head screwed on right. And I remember when I coached Corey in uh, it, was, it was house league hockey, uh, but we I had a rule um, with the other assistant coach when Corey needed to be told something, you know, back check or something. I'd have the other the assistant tell Corey. when his kid needed something. I would tell him because yeah. I, I have this theory around when you're trying to coach your kid or just provide some tip that as you're imparting this incredible knowledge about the importance of, you know, not giving the puck up at the blue line that your kids look at it and go, Oh, see, see how that vein is throbbing. On his forehead? <laughs> <laughs> He's still pissed off. I didn't make my bed. Like there's all this static in the way. Cause you're the dad for God's sakes. I, you know, now that now, I mean, now that I've remembered, 
So my daughters both played soccer year round because in Oakville, did I mention Oakville? Lots of soccer <laughs> children. Yeah. Do, do we have a sound for Oakville now? Anyway. So I, I, when they played indoor soccer, it was more funsies. And uh, so there was calls for a volunteer and I volunteered to coach my oldest in indoor soccer, which is more like five on five hockey. You know, you go and mm. they do it inside of an, of an arena. It was actually the indoor, the old indoor dome there. Remember when that first opened up? Yeah. <laughs> Over there in third line in Oakville area. And it was well, a big it on it, service road. Yeah, one of those. But it was kind of out that way, almost to Burlington. And it was a yeah. big deal. It had, it was the first dome where you could hit golf balls. Well, they also had a huge soccer component. It's no longer there. So the reason I'm laughing is because I really don't know much about soccer, but I'd played a lot of hockey. So I just assumed that <laughs> five on five soccer, I, you know, was no big deal. So I coached her team for a couple of seasons. I don't know why I forgot I that. Lasso. I hear a Ted Lasso. Uh, no, it was the opposite. <laughs> it was the opposite of Ted Lasso because <clears throat> I, um, I just tried to make it fun for the girls. And uh, partway through the uh, first season. Uh, me, Dad Lasso, got into a fight with another, with not even not another coach, but a parent from the stands. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like in fist fact, flying and everything. Well, almost or it, verbal it, or more of oh, a yeah. verbal joust. Actually, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. It was with the other coach, and then one of the parents, a bunch of the parents who were my parent friends from the rep team came to watch their kids be coached by me in the winter. A couple of my dad buddies had to pull me off the coach because I was going to beat him up. By the way, this wasn't when I was a kid. This is when I was in my 40s. What happened was, Tim, it wasn't my fault. What happened was this guy was screaming. Like, it was one of those things where it went from hey, there, we have a bit of a dispute because one of his players banged into mine, like just took her out into the boards. And I was like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that. And he went from kind of a what I thought was a quiet conversation to screaming at me in my face. And, you know, the old uh, Howard didn't take well to that. But it was just the weirdest thing because it went from it was one of those things where he was obviously elevated for other reasons. But he, he thought he could be the elevated one until, until he met me. Because yeah, I was, was like, going to say it, 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 it started off obviously as a verbal joust. Oh, yeah. And I would say who definitely would have the upper hand in in that little confrontation? Well, no, it's not even physical strength. It's just, that, you know, when, when, you know, not physical strength, yeah. no when, verbal witticisms and the ability just to launch you know, <laughs> well. nuclear bombs at. At, a, at an opponent that you would far outmatch. Well, oh, thank you, but I, I don't know if that's it's a good thing. I was just like, you know, what it was was like, you know, he was get he was all like really, really mad, really fast, thinking that would be the end of it. <laughs> I mean, <it's> just, <laughs> I'm like, you, you've just lit the wrong fuse, and it that's turned. Right. And meanwhile, uh, the kids told me later they were just all stopped. They're all just looking. These were like twelve year olds, just all looking at us. And then finally, a couple of my buddies came down from the stands because I was like, all right, well, I guess this is where this is going. Because, And again, I was just sticking up because he was screaming at one of my players, like yelling at her because yeah, he yeah, thought yeah. something had gone wrong. I don't know, whatever it was. Anyway, that was my soccer. Co- oh, the other, only other soccer story I have is when my daughter started, she was you know eight or nine and she was sort of new and she was playing that level of soccer where there's like a bunch of kids and they're... 
You know, the way I used to describe it is it's like a bunch of uh, flies chasing a shit ball. They all just move up and everyone's no one's everyone's just moves with the ball. But when she got a beast of honey, but there you right. go. Right. And when she got a little better, I said to her, you know, if you ever score a goal, because we had been watching the soccer on TV and I said, if you ever score a goal, daddy is going to do what they do. I'm going to pull my shirt off. I'm going to run onto the field. <laughs> And she didn't think she, she didn't think I was serious, <laughs> but I was. And so, and I got to, and listen, by this time I'd known the parents. So yeah, in the middle of one summer of her life, she will tell this story after I'm dead, that uh, she scored a goal. And it was funny because she scored a goal and she immediately looked back to see where I was. <laughs> and I was pulling off my shirt, running onto the field. <laughs> oh, that's... Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So maybe... Um... To make a connection back to golf, you shouldn't it's coach not, your daughters. Yeah, exactly. Well, be be uh, be prudent. Um, have other people in your in your uh, team to, to shore you up, if you will. But um, let me ask you though, as yeah, a dad, it was interesting. I remember, I remember, I was writing. Uh, I was doing some writing this morning. I was I remembering our good friend Ben Kern. Yes, and I remember when I was just starting to get my um, my. Corey was a young kid and, and Ben said, be careful about coaching your kid. And, and I learned a ton from Ben about how to, uh, how to be uh, a, a sports dad, how to be a coach. Cause he just, <laughs> he broadened my horizons significantly and tell me about some of the nonsense that he watched at junior golf tournaments with parents and kids and parents helping the kids cheat and the parents, you know, the old jingling change or coughing during the backswing of, you know, their kids, you know, partners and stuff and, and parents and kids getting into like fights on the golf course. It was just insane. No, I was going to say, um, you know, I was going to ask you, what, isn't isn't the sweetest time for me? One of my, my favorite memories of both of my kids' childhood is, taking them to and from sporting events in this 100%. case soccer those at that especially when they got better and they were going to different cities brampton or whatever and we'd be driving home for 45 minutes after the game and it was always just such a sweet time you're, you're bang on man i i remember being with a, a guy one time and talking about kids getting in hockey he said, i ain't doing that i'm not driving over hell's half faker and i said that's some of the best part (laughs) you're in a car and particularly with boys and you had girls but you're in a car and so they're kind of forced to be with you yeah exactly and they're kind of close but they don't have to look at you (laughs) (laughs) that's right so you can have sort of those awkward conversations um oh god (laughs) sean was uh he was oh he'll kill me for telling this story um it was time to have the condom talk with Sean. <laughs> and so we're driving down Guelph flying to Burlington. So it's about a 45 minute journey and get in the car. And, and I said, we're going to have the talk. And, I, and then I'm, I go, Hmm, you know, this is the time for Sean's getting ready for the game. He's prepared. I don't want to distract him. <laughs> you wanted to have the condom talk before the game. Well, no, I, I used my discernment, my inner wisdom to go like, no, we'll have to talk after the game. I'd say. But, but it was like, it, it was so funny because like, you know, pulling out of the parking lot, you know, 
do we have to talk before we get to McDonald's and have the hot chocolate? No, we'll have it after the hot chocolate. <laughs> I think I had to talk within about five minutes of getting home. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know, yeah. not having boys, I don't, I don't remember having, maybe my ex-wife did. I just felt like by the time my daughters were teenagers, they'd already known, you know, more than me. But, uh... <laughs> Well, one one difference is this, you know, you had that because you have both sons, but I do recall when my firstborn got her time of life or whatever, let's just call it the period. And I'll tell you, man, that was like a whole world that I was unfamiliar with in terms of because both of I grew up in a family of, you know, brothers and, you know, I didn't yep. and. And I was kind of like my ex-wife. Here's what I remember. My ex-wife and my daughter came into my office uh, to tell me this event had happened. <laughs> I just bawled. I was like, ah, ah. <laughs> you know, because I was like, my little girl's all grown up. Yeah. And then yeah. a lifetime of, you know, all the protective dad stuff. It was just overwhelming. Yeah, next thing you know, she's going to be, she's leaving home. Oh, yeah, exactly. Cats in the Cradle starts playing. Exactly. Hey, can you tell this is this is swing thoughts in the off season? I don't know what people want from us. We're human beings. Uh, I've got some golf stuff. Um, yeah, because well, you were going to say, what do we do in the off season? So I'll talk. You can, you can talk about what you're doing. I'll talk about what I'm doing. And then I have a uh, an announcement about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. You're going to well, love really this. I'm really looking forward to that. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Obviously, you know, for I would say majority of our listeners are in the northern climes here. It's uh, it was minus 26 this morning. So so obviously most of the golf is indoors and you know, here we are in mid-January. So what can we do to help our game keep sharp or get sharp or improve in certain areas? And particularly during the lockdown when you can't even go, you know, hit balls into a, a simulator. So one of the things that that uh, I started doing is I have a habit that before I go into my office every morning, I just do some chipping and I get five balls and I chip with my left hand. Now, first I chip with a pitching wedge and then I get my 54 and I hit five shots with my left hand only, five shots with my right hand only, and then five shots with both hands. And I'm trying to hit different shots and my point is, is this by doing that every day, Monday to Friday, I'm getting in, that's at least 20 shots um, every day. And that just adds up over time. Mm-hmm. And I'm also doing um, a, a ladder drill, which I learned from my good friend, Scott Fawcett. And I just put some quarters on the floor and I just putt. And uh, I don't do that thing where, you know, I have to restart and whatnot. <laughs> I, what I do is I just keep track of, of how many out of five I rolled into that quadrant. So I do that every day before going back into the office in the afternoon. So I just use that as an example of a, a phrase that I learned from uh, a very cool book I read a few years ago, basically tiny habits. Mm-hmm. And if you do tiny habits – enough times it just over time it just adds up and you just start to to build so it falls right in line with um the other phrase that a lot of our listeners will learn uh, know those who are pretty high aspiration players is around deliberate practice is 
being focused just doing a short amount of time but having dedicated time doing it and doing it frequently so i don't know that's that's kind of my recovering perfectionist things what do i do the way that i I love that the uh, phrase that i that comes to mind and and i've heard it just put a different way is little things often and it's it's a relationship technique it's a habit building technique it's a weight loss technique little things often that philosophy of most people can you know, you could do a you could do a little bit. Like if you, if you start a program of whatever it's weight loss or fitness, you know, most people they go on. You know, it's that honeymoon stage where you're so excited to start something. This is the year I'm going to work on my swing, and then you get a bunch of stuff, and then you know you realize like, man, even just to change a little thing is a very difficult thing in the golf swing. But you can do little things if you do them often enough. You can, you can make little changes, you know. Totally. Like it's the 21st of January as we're recording this. And I, you know, most of our STDs are, you know, where we are, as you say, in the north. It's cold. But it won't, it'll be golf season really quickly, especially for us older guys. Those months go by very fast now. Yes, you know, it's the time 20. does whip by. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so even though it seems long away, and I don't want to discourage anyone, but I got news for you. You ain't changing your golf swing by April. So I hate to be the bearer of bad news. And, and I've, uh, I was on a call recently with some high-level players. And, um, and there were some guys in there with, you know, fours, handicaps, and, and sixes. And there were some pluses as well. But the one, one participant was talking about the changes that he'd made in his golf swing. And I know this person, and he hits it. Like, if you ever saw this guy hit a ball, you'd be like, why would you ever change? He just hits it so good. Mm -hmm. But when he talked about the changes he made, in my head I went, I don't really see much difference. Yeah. But because, I guess what I'm trying to say, I don't want to be discouraging, but there are, you can make little changes, but you're not going to overhaul the thing between now and the, you know, the good golf weather. I like what you said about, you know, making, doing some work on your short game. The thing I will tell you, overall, I'm working on my fitness. I'm trying to get stronger. I want to get faster. I, I want to hit the ball further, but I, wanna, I don't want to do it by changing my golf swing. I just want to get a little bit stronger. But what, mm-hmm. I, but what I do do, the little thing I do often, as you know, I have a lab nursery. <laughs> I, um, I'll tell you what I am doing almost every day, but certainly every day that I go into there to work on my swing is I work on my setup and I record it. So I've got my computer on, on most Macs. They have a thing called photo booth. And so I set it up so that I, so that I can record. I, I take my setup and then I, I look and I can see myself not only in the mirror in front of me, but in the computer behind me. And then I just practice getting into the setup. And then I see if I can get into what I the, the position that I want to get into setup wise. Can I recreate that? And that's what I do. Love that. You know, love that. Because I can, that is something I can practice every day until I hit a real golf ball again. Yeah. You know, no, I, that that makes so much sense, and I think we were talking about this maybe last time or a couple shows ago, or fourteen, and when we were playing youth soccer in Oakville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was still coaching Corey. No. That's right. Um, feedback. Yes. You, yes. The without feedback, um, practice is is it, it can be close, not necessarily quite useless, but 
not that advantageous. Not as effective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you know, I, I, I will tell you that, yeah, you know, that famous story about Jack Grout, and every year at this time, he would sit with Nicholas, his student, mm. and, and they would go through all the boring stuff that most people don't want to pay attention to, ball position, grip, uh, aiming, and and posture, and so I, I've decided that I want to, you know, I, a little posture adjustment. Part of it is to save my back, but I tend to be a little bit upright, more yeah. so than I'd like to be. My hands are a bit further from me than I'd like them to be. So I, I just have this model of posture that I try and get into every day. And I'll tell you, it's, it's, I, it's not hitting golf balls into a simulator, but it, it, I think it's going to have an effect on me because I'm trying to protect my back as I age. You know, no, I, uh, that makes so much sense. And it, you, you know, particularly, you know, we're in our seventh decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, is is that it's really important that you try to stay strong because you start to lose muscle mass so fast and it's yeah it, it's really good so it's really good for you to make that investment uh i hear you got uh bamalam brooke benny working with you yeah brooke benny bamalam um he doesn't here's the thing brooke benny's a great physio he works with you guys at the guelph uh, griffins and he does some personal training. And I've been working with him on my rehab of my shoulder. I did that all last summer. He's the greatest guy. Check him out. But he also does some training because he does some stuff with you guys. So he started working with me because I'll tell you, I, I've got a program that I do, but I don't do it anywhere near as good or as well as when he's walking me through it. Absolutely. Do you find that? Like I, I've had a oh, few yeah, chances to I be... Don't- I've never had a personal trainer because I'm just too freaking cheap. Uh, but, you know, I work with Brooke. He does programs. So he'll, I would go, you know, when I could go see him um, indoors, I would go and I'd go through my workout and he'd critique it, you know, and yeah. he'd watch my form here, watch this, watch that, that, that type of Well, thing. that's what he was doing with me. He'd give me a program. And for, I'm, this was yeah. all, I'd never worked out with him until recently. I would just go and do my program. But I can tell you from doing, I think four workouts with him in the last two weeks that I just get so much more out of it. Cause I do the, I, so I have this program he's given me. So a few of the days I do it by myself and I'm doing the best I can. I just know I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't push myself the way that he, that oh, you yeah. do that, when he's I, watching you. I've heard that many times from, from other people who use a trainer. Um, so yeah, that's cool. And just one thing I, you know, before we wrap up this segment, um, I was read a really cool book this week called How to Change by Katie Milkman. And what I like about it is there's, uh, it's not just another self-help book, uh, believe in yourself type of thing. But and what's it called again? It's called How to Change by Katie Milkman. Okay. And um, this is, there's a lot of references, some really good studies. And anyways, what she's saying, and this connects to what I was saying earlier about like, Things that you can do almost on a daily basis, but frequently. And she says, the problem that happens for a lot of people who say they start going to the gym, we'll use that as an example, <clears throat> and they, they may diligently go for, for months, but then, they, then it starts to trail off and then they lose it completely and maybe they, you know, they gain weight again or, or whatever, they just stop going to the gym, which is just so important. So... The advantage of doing things on a micro basis, but say five days a week or something like that, where you take five minutes, 
you'll keep doing it. Because mm-hmm. one of the key things that Katie Milkman was saying is the, the, the thing that hurts people in their, uh, say, wanting to develop, change, go forward, you know, transform, if you will, is they, they just lose the mojo. They just if, – if you – and they just stop doing it. And it's so hard to get back that motivation to get off the couch or get back to the gym. So yeah, I've been a big fan of the New York Times. And uh, they've got a couple of writers who write about fitness and wellness, etc. And it's been an, uh, a theme of smaller amounts, but frequent. And, you know, really, you can make five minutes in your day, even that. So that's you know when i when I think about just that's great it's sort of the same theme uh, and what, and the book is is just expressing kind of what we're talking about you know i I was talking to Brooke well, in, you know in between sets yesterday because I was because he's he by the way Brooke is TPI certified yeah. to titleist performance so you know a lot of the stuff we do is strengthening because I don't I have some issues with my glutes which is i don't have them <laughs> they, uh, my glutes my butt went out for cigarettes in my 40s and it never came back this is a, this is that the frog thing <laughs> my uh my yeah uh, i um okay but but part of the it's it's a it's a funny bit somewhat but it's also affecting my my back it really does especially on oh, my I left side so in between this um you know i was telling him that most golfers, this is what, what you're talking about, little things often, and what we're saying today is most golfers will get excited about a new tip, something they've heard, something they've worked on on the range. And, and we've expressed this thousands of times in the show. And why is it that, you know, you're, you're working on something, and then by the third hole, you're like, oh, it's not working anymore. And then you start thinking about what else could work. And those are, you know, those recipes for chaos. But what yep. you can't, I was giving Brooke this example of when, there, when I go to hit balls with my brother, you know, he's hit three or four to one to the na- amount of balls I'll hit. Because unless I'm, I mean, there there isn't any situation now where I'm going to hit uh, so many balls that I, I lose track of when I'm, but what I do is every single practice shot I hit, I get into an actual setup. Maybe I don't go through my entire routine from behind the ball, but I literally go through my setup checklist on every shot, which is why it takes a little longer. So that's a little thing that I committed to myself. You know, I just don't rake them back and start hitting them. You know, like when I was warming up, uh, at the uh, Canadian or at the Ontario's, you know, they give you little small buckets, maybe 25 yep. balls. And I almost never got through the whole, I mean, I didn't need that many balls. I'm getting ready to play. I'm not getting, I'm not here for a training session. All I'm saying is there's little things in golf we can do that aren't big, like committing to making sure you have a pre-shot routine. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think, I think the winter time, Timmy is a great, time to develop what could your pre-shot routine be maybe make work on it at home and make it simple and make it easily repeatable yeah absolutely and what you're talking about there um about say basically you're talking about quantity versus quality and one uh, one of the books that i've I've read in the last couple years is uh, peak by anders erickson he's the guy who um was known for the ten thousand hour rule that um uh, what's his Gladwell? His, Gladwell talked about. Yeah, it. and I read that book too. And got wrong. And Gladwell got it wrong. 
it's not 10,000 of doing it. It's 10,000 of doing it correctly and, <laughs> right. and deliberately and being focused. So what you were talking about with your brother there is the, the real importance of when you're going to do anything, particularly in practice, is that you're giving it your full attention. You're, you're right there. You're not, it doesn't mean you're grinding over it, making sure you do everything correctly, but you're paying attention to what goes on. And when you, when something doesn't go right, you, you, you take, the time to fix it because that way of of say paying attention to your setup and and hit and being fully present when you hit a ball on the range you take that to the course right it's a good habit where, to build where it really where it really counts um you know i remember when we had on uh uh parent joseph parent and he talked Dr. about the Joe. anyway and how many people talk? How many people hit in any way? You know, I'm not really ready. This club doesn't feel right. Whatever. You know the. So, anyways, what you're talking about and taking your time, being focused, is the complete opposite of an anyway. Well, and, and the thing is, it it builds habits. Like I, I'm not saying there aren't. Like I, another thing I said to Brooke, Fred Shoemaker, you know, big friend of the show, and I know you've. You're a super fan. I've had the opportunity to speak to Fred not only on the program, but off the program. And I was asking him when it was a one-on-one with me. And I said, you know, I was talking about how I practice. And this was sort of four or five years ago, whatever. And and I said, is it ever just okay, you know, to just hit balls? I said, I just love hitting balls. And he said, absolutely. Sometimes what he will do is just go out in the evening. I said this to Brooke, you know, there's practice. There's warming up for a round. And then there's just hitting golf balls, which, yeah. but, I, but I make a distinction and that's what oh, Fred I, said. That's, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, yeah. Well, would you, Fred is, he's a great, you know, he's a perspective bringer. Yes. Perspective will. bringer. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah. Holy. Here, welcome to another episode of two old men that have no words. He's a perspective man, bringer, philosopher, guy, <laughs> guy. <laughs> and you know what he <laughs> he brings is uh, it's a reminder that we're there to have you, know, you can have fun, just can there to have fun, play golf and have fun. I know it goes against everything that usually happens in golf culture. It's about self torture and self flagellation. But there's a great video of Fred. Uh, you can find it on YouTube uh, about practice. And uh, it's wonderful how he talks about just settling in, not necessarily, you know, and not working on anything. Well, well, that's the point I wanted to make, too. He said it's sometimes it's OK to step away from, you know, and that's where my brother David and a lot of people are. They're just constantly working on their golf yeah. swing. And I get yeah, it. So exactly. so am I. But as I said to Brooke, because we know, we you know, there's always we do all this intensive training and then there's 60 second and 30 second break. So in between and we're just sort of talking golf. And I said, you know, the problem is there we're, you don't always have to be working on something there, there. There's times when you just go in and enjoy it because. You know, I, I think, and I have this man. I have this mentality at times. I used to have it a lot, which is this: this next ball could be the one that unlocks the magic golf key. You know what I mean? That's why. And again, I don't. I'm not critical of David, who's you know beautiful, bright man. But you know, there's a certain type of golf culture guy, and, and we've all been that that just thinks the next one is going to be the one that finally seals it. 
I know you, or you can't leave the range because what if that's what if that ball was the conduit to the breakthrough <laughs> that the keys to Nirvana drop in my lap? Listen, I've spent so many times, so many hours of my life hitting billions of golf balls. We've all had this experience. It starts off sort of okay, then it gets good, then it gets really good, and then you go and get the other bucket, and bucket, and then it gets shitty. <laughs> and then you're like, wait. It gets really shitty. Then it gets really shitty, and then you're like, okay, I've already been here, I've got to go home, I've got to take the kids somewhere, but I, I, maybe I'll get a small bucket, <laughs> because maybe the answer will be in the small bucket. <laughs> and then and I then, go back. And then, so you leave, and you've torn a hole in your golf glove. Yeah. You're going to be late. You're going to get shit. And you're, so, and you're sore. Yeah, and you're sweating like crazy. And you you made the excuse that you were coming home late because you had work to do. So you've got the air conditioning on full <laughs> blast. Um, I find now, and, I, and I, I remember being at Rattlesnake last summer at some point, you know, waiting to hang with Casey one day. And I'd set up my station. I got my clubs all set. I've got my alignment sticks. I got a couple of training aids. And one of the guys that teaches there who didn't know I was a friend of Sean, just thought I was some dude. He walked over. He wanted, this is funny. He goes, are you a pro? <laughs> I said, no, because no, I just had it. I had it all laid out and I was only hitting one shot every three minutes. You know what I mean? I had, everything yeah, yeah, was yeah. like... And I said, no, no, I was here. I'm a, I'm a student of Sean's. He goes, oh, okay. I just thought you'd were like, you thought I was a teacher. Like I'd set up my station to, for my next yeah. lesson. Anyway, um, are you ready for today's uh, great announcement? Well, I, I got, I, I got, am, okay, I am. okay. I have to do a couple things because this won't make no sense to the people who listen to this, which is most people. But that's okay. There's some people who are going to watch this on um, on your YouTube channel, right? Yeah, I love that buildup. Uh, this that's why I'm going to make is going to make no sense. But well, it, no, you'll anyway. see why in a second. It won't make sense to anyone listening because they won't be able to see it because oh. there's actually a visual component. Okay, right. okay so I'm going to change my background. Okay, let me do that first. Can you cool. see what that says? Decade certified. Did G you get your PhD? Did your thesis go through? Did G you get GSL. Hang on. Let me have music for this, too. GSL. <laughs> there you go. And you know, my, it's, it's cool because my head's right in the middle of it. It's right in the A for A-hole. <laughs> so, what does it mean to be decade certified? Well, it doesn't really mean much, but let me get rid of this. So uh, what it means is this. Um, you know, for a long time, I've thought, you know, I don't really have. I mean, a lot of let, let me back it up. I get DMs and messages and texts throughout the last few years from people who are like, hey, could you help me with that? Or could I, I'm like, well, it's not really my thing. You know, I don't really, and I'm not looking for a student to teach anything because I'm not, that's not really where I'm at. But more and more over the last couple of years, especially last year, I got so many people asking me about Decade that I thought, you know, I wonder if, you know, if there was something that I could maybe add to my, you know, portfolio and actually help people. Let me get rid of this. Help people. 
uh, at least get through decade. And then, you know, talking to Fawcett and I had a conversation with him yesterday. I said, you know, I'm getting asked to do this. And, um, you know, what would it take? You know, what, what would do you have a program? I mentioned you getting Carl Morris certified. I think you're also uh, isn't that where your your first perform? What, what was your first degree or your first certification? Was it Carl Morris? Carl Morris. Yeah. And the only one. So all, and, and all you, the rest and of you, certifications in life, the School of Hard Knocks, et cetera. Well, that's where my Ph.D. comes from. Because as my older brother, I keep mentioning, this is David's show. Even though I gave my other brother a, a Zoom lesson on golf, uh, his golf swing this week. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but as my older brother said a couple of years ago, I have a PhD in golf. Um, am I trying to get clients? Maybe. I'll just say this. If you're somebody, and I, and I'm, I was going to surprise you with this. I'm, I hope this doesn't bug you. But if you're somebody specifically that wants decade, um, I'm able to offer you a discount if you're going to work with me. Uh, I got my first client this week, and I Fantastic. said, thank you. And I said to him, I said, listen, I don't want to, this is kind of new for me, and I don't want to charge you very much, but I said, I have to charge you something. I said, because, yeah. you know, we've been going back and forth, this particular person and I, over the last six months. He's a big fan of the show. And I said, I'm always happy to take your message and respond. But I said, if you actually don't want to, if you want to do this for real, I think there should be a, some accountability on both parts. 100%. So I said, in order to make this somewhat accountable, I'm going to charge you something. It's, believe me, it's not much. And uh, and he already like the funny thing is a bunch of people that listen to us have already got decade because of listening to us obviously me and my enthusiasm for it but I after talking to Fawcett I said well, so what do you, is there something I could do and he said no you're fine <laughs> you just basically considering how you know we've had a lot of conversations he and I about the system and I just think he he feels like well I know it well enough to certainly walk through walk somebody through it. You know, in terms of handling the, the app itself, for sure I can help you. But also philosophically about how it works and how it's worked for me, I'm, uh, I'm going to offer that to uh, listeners of our show if you want. And I, again, I, I don't want to take anything away from what Tim does because what Tim does is different than this, I think. I mean, I know yeah, there's oh, some. I, I think you're. I think you're 100 correct. And you know what? I think that's wonderful, Howard. Um, and I think you, you're you're a natural at it. One of the very cool things that I've noticed, you know, in the time that we've uh, known each other, I guess we're getting on eight years now, is that um, you just have this natural enthusiasm of, you know, you watch someone hit a golf ball like. Uh, you know, I was going to wait until we're done, but I got to tell you now. <laughs> no, I, I, you're talking you see, about you see that <laughs> see that cow out there in that field. That's where you're aimed at. No, the flag is over here. That is funny. That's what you like. Sometimes I'll just watch somebody when we're when we're playing with them for four or five holes and go, oh, man, I, I I can't have you aim off the planet anymore. It's just just excruciating. <laughs> exactly, but you know, I love that, and you're because you're you're a smart guy and you know how to communicate uh, you do it really well so you're going to do you're going to rock this so good for you thank you as, as i said you know where obviously you know tim's a performance coach and a mental performance coach i will tell you what i'm not going to do if you wanted to work with me on decade i'm not going to do what tim does i'm you know i i mean obviously i'm an empathetic empathetic listener but when it comes to you know sort of all i will tell you this if you wanted to learn what I learned to shoot lower scores, that's what I can help you with. 
if you want to have, you know, if you want to have a conversation about why you hate yourself <laughs> and, uh, and uh, why you can't seem to get out of your own way as a golfer, I, I would send you to Tim. Because uh, that's not going to be, I'm, that's not my area. I mean, I can tell you some of the things that worked for me, but a lot of them you've heard us talk about on the show. And so I, I know I was kind of like, I, I said to you on before the show, I said, I've got a surprise for you. Mostly, I'll tell you, that I, I wanted something that I could say, at least to somebody who wanted to talk to me about decade. If they wanted to pay me, I've got something behind me that says the guy that invented it trusts me enough to teach you the system. Now, I don't know everything. I don't know every minutia of the app, and but I do know enough of the broad strokes that I think if you were to get the Decade app, and like I said, number one, I can get you a, a discount. And that's, by the way, I can get you a discount. I'll say this for all Swing Thoughts listeners, whether you work with me or not. I'm happy to, I'm happy to pass it on. Yeah, well, and just... Uh, because I'm working with Decade, I'm going through the program. If for my for clients who want to work with me, they can also get on through it as well. But you don't. It's not the broad strokes, man. You know the minutia of of Decade. You've studied it. Yeah. You 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 know it. I mean, like the way that you you throughout this uh, past year brought out like numbers and had, you just had it right there. Like, nah, you. You know it, and so yeah, Scott was wise to to uh, give you the the okay and the Thank and the you. certification. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you got you're gonna have like a C on your chest now. I'm certified. I don't know. I don't. You know, like I, I again, I said to him, you know, I actually brought you up as the example. I said, you know, Tim's got you know a, a lot of experience, but I said, you know, his, you know, I said like Morris and like Shoemaker, they're would you be able to offer this? And here's the only, here's what he said. Listen, he said, you, you do what you want to do short of doing a seminar called Howard's decade seminar. Um, <laughs> then you're fine. I just wanted to offer it because I know we talk about it a lot. And again, Tim's using it. I just, even if to answer any questions about decade and, uh, and I didn't realize he had, had he given you the same, uh, the one fifty thing. Did he give no, you that? Just, just, Okay, we'll talk about it after. But I, here's the thing. I, I'll tell you what I can give you. If you're an STD or Swing Thoughts listener, that's what you are, STDs, Swing Thoughts devotees. And two things. We'll offer you a discount. We can say that now. We can, now, that I'm cert, now that I'm certified. We can offer you a discount, whether you work with me or not. Um, or, and and I'm, again, we'll have to figure out what your deal is with him as well. But I was just saying to myself, you know... I've, I've signed this this person up for five sessions, and uh, nice. I said, well, I said, let's see if this can make a difference. I said, I promise you that I can walk you through this in a way that you'll understand. But I said, having somebody to be accountable to will help make it a bit more real because not everyone, and this is a great theme that we're talking about, because you could get the decade out, and it's all exciting when you get it, but I will tell you, it's a lot of work. And you've got to keep... It, it won't work at all. You know, Fazit and I were talking about this yesterday. I said, you know, it's interesting. I know a few guys have got it, but I guarantee you they won't work it. They won't have the discipline. One of the D's in decade is... It's the easy... The whole system, as we've said a bunch of times, easy to understand, really easy to understand, very difficult to do because you have to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And, well, that, that's right in line with what we were talking about That's earlier. what I mean. Frequent and deliberate, and and just doing it. Little it things mean, often. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't, and that's the nice thing about this approach, uh, including with with decade, is that you don't need to go someplace and for two hours a day, you know, to get there. Do no, you can just these little bits, but it's doing them often over and over again. That's where you really start to ingrain this stuff because he, he, it becomes part of you. Yeah, and the thing about, like, again, when the, when the lockdown came, just to, for some historical perspective, you and I took the seminar in 2017. It made a huge impact on my game. I have, I've, I've never not had the decade card on me since then. Did I implement it? This, did I implement it? At that time, not any, no, nowhere near as close as I did last summer, to our point about little things often. But once I started to do the things that are little inside of Decade, every time I played, that, that started showing up as a huge difference. And really, the, there's only four or five principles. Like, you know, I was talking to somebody, well, am I going to have to start, you know, uh, going on Google Earth and mapping out my course? I go, well, maybe if you want, but you don't have to. I mean, there are little things you can do, our theme today, there are things you could do immediately using some of the decade principles that, it, that would, would have a huge impact, comma, if you did them consistently. Because just getting the app is like anything else. You know, you download something off the internet, you think, oh, this is going to be the answer. It is if you did it all the time. If you did anything yeah, then, all the time, it would make a difference. But it's just over and over again, we see... I was talking with somebody about that just a couple of days ago uh, about their own. They signed up. Oh, it was yesterday. I was talking with a fellow. He signed up for a course, and then it was kind of like three weeks in. I go, nah, let that go. Five hundred <laughs> yeah. bucks. Yep, Gonzo. It just happens over and over again, and so yeah. So I, I think that's I think that's so cool, and and just. Uh, connect with what you're saying but the discipline part I mean I remember last year just standing in the rough hands on my hips with some trees in front of me and the fairway right there going dang I so want to hit it past this tree and under that branch but no pop it out in the fairway and it just makes so much sense but just but I can't let this one go the accountability thing is huge and accountability I've said this before is that it has such a bad reputation. I mean, it's like Buckley's cough syrup. You know, sounds terrible, but it works. Mm-hmm. The accountability piece is just to have somebody to kind of talk about your experience. You said you were going to do something. Well, did you do it? Mm-hmm. Oh, if you didn't do it, oh, would you learn? And if you did do it, oh, would you learn too? You know, accountability is huge, and that, that's in in all things. It's good to have a, a support system. And someone who who we can talk to about the stuff that you're doing and heck not doing. And again, I, I, I just want to be I want this caveat to be understood that, you know, again, I'm not a mental performance coach. Uh, Tim is. I think I could be a good coach for players that are like, you know, like I would look at it this way. If you want to enjoy like when you met me, I was still a very you know, mercurial golfer, pretty mercurial guy, but a very mercurial golfer. And, and I didn't understand from day to day, you know, why a good score would show up and why a bad score will show up. And so a lot of the stuff we talked, I mean, sort of the origin of doing this podcast was kind of like, I'd say for me personally, working through a lot of my own demons by talking about it and saying things out loud. And, you know, we had discussed 
you know, your golf hell episode, but it was preceded by mine by a couple of years, you know, like I was freaking out. So I understand now as I'm about to turn 62, I really understand. I had this conversation with Fitzsimmons yesterday. I understand what happens when I have a good round now. I also understand what happens when that round has a score in it that isn't exactly what I'd in my Sort of, you know, what, what, I know exactly what happened now on days that I don't score as well. And I'm able to forgive that part of its decade. And a lot of it is what we've talked about for six you know, plus years. So I, I often quote you as having gotten my head in the right spot for enjoying a round. And I would and I would recommend you to anyone for that. Yes, I think Tim can, you know, will help you lower scores too. But really, if you're looking for some perspective on your game of golf, you got to go and talk to my boy O'Connor. In my case, if you're saying, okay, I'm a 12, I'd like to get to an 8. Can you show me how? I absolutely can. I agreed, 100%. I don't know that I can, you know, you know, I'm literally the worst. I'm the worst I've ever met. So, you know, I still need to to talk talk to Tim. <clears throat> we all do, man. Um, can I tell you? And we got a we get a lot of uh, we've started to get some nice uh, feedback. Here's one from a guy named Grant McDougall who says, "Guys, I recently started listening to the podcast. My journey to your pod started with a Howard esque experience with Decade, seeing it, buying into the <clears throat> concepts, and improving my game by trying to use the strategies, uh, utilize the strategies that Scott preaches. In following Scott around the various podcasts he guests on, I discovered you guys." Um, I discovered Gary and Carl, the lost art dudes, and they and in uh, and in Innate the World, amazing moment. The first two swing thoughts pod I listened to were the ones with Scott and the one with Carl uh, from a few weeks ago. Too late to say long story short, but I wanted to say how much I enjoy listening to you guys through your very funny banter and sharing of your golf experiences. You're helping me get better and enjoy the game more, and occasionally laugh my ass off. And then he says, Howard, I hope you're planning on going to the Red Deer, going to Red Deer for the 2022 Canadian Seniors. Yes, I am. My goal nice. is to be there in September and share a laugh or two at the time. So there you go. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. That, and that's great? Grant yeah. from New Brunswick. Thank you, Grant from New Brunswick. So there's a little full, full circle moment. He found our podcast because of Decade and is listening and supporting other people that we've supported, Carl and Gary, for a long time. And, and you, that's cool. That's cool. Thank you for uh, for digging that up. Um, <laughs> we had, that was a really funny comment the other day on a YouTube channel of, of the guy <laughs> saying, it's come for a circle with carbon. It's like, because carbon, <laughs> carbon's in wood or something. Carbon's what? <laughs> carbon is in, there's wood in carbon or carbon in wood or something. And I just thought that was that was a great comment. Uh, that's going to be interesting. I, I'm, you've got your irons already from TaylorMade. I'm getting mine uh, next week, and I'm going to have them before I go away. I'm, in fact, in two weeks from today, I will be uh, leaving this cold for the uh, month of February. Fingers crossed. Cool. I know. Are you still going to be doing Humble and Fred while yep. you're away? I'm going to still cool. do. Uh, we're going to. Bro- I'm basically taking the equipment that we broadcast the Humble and Fred show and this show on. I'm taking it with me and. You know, we can do our stuff regularly. Um, you know, f- you know, we'll do a couple shows like we normally do in February. And I'll do, I'll do, I'm going to work two weeks in uh, Palm Springs doing the show. And then in two weeks, I'll just take off to get a little bit of a vacation. I'm nice. a little, you know, I'm not nervous ab- about the COVID aspect of this because I've been on planes already. And I figured, 
you know, I'm triple vaxxed. I've got all, you know, I could get COVID here. Or I could get COVID somewhere where I can, you know, go outside and chip in the backyard. So, yeah, the only thing that I, I find to be interesting, uh, well, California's in. There's nice people in California. I'm hearing some weird stuff going on in Florida. You might have read it too. Like people with New York license plates, they're getting like told to go home. And, you know the the uh, because if you're from New York, uh, you know, the people who live in the South are are presuming you're woke and liberal and all those. So what's those, going on? All those things. Oh, p- people in in. People who are from New York, yes, they've taken their car down and have the New York license plates. In Florida, they're getting people are leaving notes like "Go home, Yankee," or "You oh woke," whatever, <laughs> and it's, it's happening all over the place. And um, a, a fellow who's participating in our golf is life uh, group meetings, um, he talked about making a trip from uh, lives in Ottawa, made a cross country trip to the states to California. And a couple of times, you know, standing in line someplace with a mask on, the only person to have a mask on and stuff like that. And really getting like the eyes from people and just feeling super, super uncomfortable. I bet. Um, so that's um, that's still a kind of an odd thing. My son, Sean, and his buddies, um, they went down to Florida this morning and um, – It'll be interesting to hear about their experience because they all made sure that, you know, Sean was in the car. He's going, got your mask, got your mask. <laughs> so, um, well, California, which is where we're going, actually has just enacted as of December um, a mask, indoor mask mandate. So every, oh. everywhere we're going there, we won't be the only ones wearing masks. Well, but that, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. So we're going to spend most of the time in Palm Springs. Uh, the first week, we're going to spend three days in L.A. I said to Rachel, I said, I'm going to take you on a tour of all the horrible places I used to go. And I said, I said, one day I'll take you to where I used to live, but we won't get out of the car. Yeah. Does um, do some of those famous clubs, the, the, I'm thinking of music clubs like Whiskey A Go-Go, are they still all? I, I, I don't know. Uh, when I was there a few years ago with my youngest, I took her to the comedy store, you know, and that was kind of a cool yeah. thing to, for us to do. But, you know, mostly I just want to, you know, Fred and I uh, of the Humble and Fred show we're talking about this like at the age we're at and given the nature of this particular aspect of the virus there aren't that many uh, you know a whole whole lot of, of time left to at this level of healthiness to go and travel a little bit and you know I had a doctor on my show last week pretty famous one who does this show on CBC called uh, White Coat Black Arts Oh, yeah. Dr. Brian. Brian. Yeah, great guy. I just said to him, I said, here's the circumstances. Here's where I'm going. My partner and I are both. She's a triple vaxxed. I am no corn. You know, we we don't we're not obese. uh, And uh, what what do you think? Um, He said, go. You know, absolutely. So I am. Um, All right. Well, there's our show. I just want to mention quickly that uh, on the uh, 21st of January, which is when we're recording this, there's a kid playing golf this weekend. He he won't make the cut. He's a uh, South African, and his name is James Van Bries or something like that. (laughs) Have you heard of this guy? I tweeted about him yesterday. well, Well, go ahead. What did you tweet about him? Oh, I just said, I said, first it was goalies averaging six foot four. Now we have a golfer six ten with three seventy three 
uh, you know, distance yes. average, making his debut on the PGA Tour. Six foot eleven, two hundred and sixty pounds, and I, I talked about this on the show yesterday with Fred. I said, you know, golf is going to change. Whether that's whether exactly people what I was that, that's what I was thinking. Whether people like it or not, on a, and the changes, and I talked to Fred about you know Tiger Woods, you know the fitness that he's. But what we're seeing now, and this kid is, you know he hadn't he hadn't been born when Tiger Woods won the Masters, you know ninety seven or around that right. So this is a kid that has grown up thinking that golf is a sport of athletes. That never happened. We're we're in a generation of young men and women that are. In another era, this guy, 6'11", 260, he'd be playing football or basketball, but he wouldn't have gone, he wouldn't have gravitated toward golf. Now, obviously, it's not... That's a great point. That's a really great point. Thank you. And it's not just Tiger, but this guy grew up in South Africa seeing golfers as something of an athletic endeavor. Yeah, yeah. And there's just gonna, and, and he may not be the guy. Like he, he had, I, I don't know what he shot yesterday. It was way over par, and it's a lot. Listen, he's he's made the Sunshine Tour, which is a South African tour. He's just gotten the second stage of Corn Ferry. So this kid's got legitimate skills, but he may not be the one. And that was my, because Fred's whole point was, what's his short game like? You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it may be terrible, but he's he's pro level enough. He's not Kyle Berkshire trying to become a pro. The long drive guy. He's a, a a fully rounded professional golf specimen. But the point about I, I guess I was trying to make is if it's not this guy's the phenom, but there's going to be guys like him now, men and women coming after that are going to be incredibly athletic like him. Because I went on YouTube and watched him hit balls. It's pretty pretty amazing. Oh, I gotta think it would. But I, you can already see it. I mean, you know, you you look back, you compare the profile, if you will, of of male professional golfers now to you know the sixties and seventies, little round bellies, bunch of pair guys, Raymond Floyd, uh, those types Craig of guys. Stadler. Yeah, waddling around the course. Yep. You know, Tiger, Rory, uh, Brooks Kepka, Justin Chambeau, all of them exactly. now. Exactly, and you can just see the progression. I'm just point put this out there. Even the guys you see on TV now that you wouldn't think that are jacked or big or, you know, like some of them are just obviously big. Kepka, DJ. I'm telling you, if you stood next to Patrick Cantlay, you couldn't push him over. You know, like those guys are, or Dick, Victor Hovland. When you see Victor Hovland, you're seeing somebody who in another era would have maybe been a, maybe been a soccer player in, in, in wherever he's from or many, you know, played cricket. But he, they don't look like the golfers we grew up with. But the point about this South African kid is, you know, going forward, we're going to see nothing but guys that are six foot something, five, two forty, and are they could play, you know, uh, out, you know, free safety in the NFL. Yeah, I hope not that it'll be, <clears throat> you know, the the Mitch Marners of golf, as it were, won't have a space. I, but I, I think they, I think they still will. But it'll it'll move more in that way. I think because you made that great point that young people coming along going hey golf is a sport yes you know and and i i I like it what it does and is because so much of around anything is the culture yes i remember like gary player saying um this is way back in the 90s Uh, i was on a a trip to south africa and we're talking about you know what's it take for a country to to have you know, 
golfers achieve at the highest level and says, well, you need mentors. You need champions. And Canada hadn't provided one yet. We had George Knudsen, who had won eight PGA Tour events, but he never won a major. And he said, it's not until you start having major championships that because what that is attracts the attention of young people. So what we're seeing now is young people seeing these high-level athletes achieving you know, at the highest levels. Yeah. And they're jacked and they're putting in the work. And so it's a culture shift. I guess it's taking me a long No, way. no, you're absolutely right. And I, I, you explained it nicely. I'll tell you, um, like, I don't think this kid, and I, I should have had his name if I was a really good broadcaster, but just know that he's a giant man. I don't think he's the Tiger effect directly. Like the lineage isn't from Tiger to him because the lineage is from Tiger to Rory to Justin Thomas to Morikawa to Wolf. That's sort of the Tiger lineage. This guy mm-hmm. is part of that if you sort of did the, you know, the continuum. But he has been inspired by other people that were inspired by Tiger. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I, that, that, I, I explained that poorly. I'm just saying that what you're now going to see is that young men and women will grow up having the idea that in order to be good at that sport, you've also got to be strong. Like if you look at some of the TPI workouts, these guys do online, like I watched uh, Justin Thomas go through his thing. Like it's, it's ridiculous. And, and just to put a fine sort of to wrap it all up with our theme today of small things often, if you did nothing else for your golf game between now and when it's warm enough to play in shorts. So late May, I'm not talking about the first few times out when it, you know, this plus sixes. If you did nothing else between now and when it's warm enough to play golf, but work a little bit on your fitness every day, that will make a much bigger difference when it comes time to hit a ball for real than almost anything you could do. And I'm not talking because because I always just say something that Nick Tricchilio said to me a few years ago. If you haven't figured out your swing changes by March, it's too late. Yeah, well said. Yeah. So a couple things. So that fellow's name, uh, the six foot ten uh, fellow. Yes, sir. Uh, James Hart Dupree's. Say it again. James, uh, James Hart Dupree. Yes, is his name from South Africa. Dupree's. And um, yeah, just as we're, <laughs> I just looking at this picture. I'm like, my God, his <laughs> his 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 uh, right bicep. I think it's bigger than my thigh. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about it. I'm 5'11". I'm just about six feet. I'm 5'11". He would be one foot taller than I am. I weigh 188. He weighs almost 80 pounds, 75 pounds more than me. So, yes, he can hit a golf ball. His, uh, on one of those videos I was watching, he was getting club head speeds of 140. Mine's 102. <laughs> And I don't know where, you know, what do you, what do you carry it through the air to average 370? That means some of them were 400. And maybe next time we can talk about, do you think that's ruining the game? I I just say, I I say that, listen, change is inevitable and totally we can't hold it back. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about doing something with the golf ball. I, I would have that discussion. I'm on Jack's side sometimes when I think about it. Like, why don't we have a universal? Why doesn't golf, like every other sport, have a universal limit on the balls they use? That would be like, you know, the, the Blue Jays could use a, golf, uh, a baseball that the, somebody else's, it's, that's in their park, it's, it reacts differently. That yeah, part I do, I do think is something that needs to be addressed. Well, that would be fun to get into because there's that, that dates back to a long time. Oh, yeah. Ago, that kind of thing. So, 
Wow. So congrats on your uh, Thank you very certification. Much. Yes, certified. Wise Decades and, certified. Um, yeah, and so and uh, uh, Nate Robinson and I are announcing today on his, uh, he's doing a webinar of uh, our Quiet Mind Golf uh, program that we're launching six months. So uh, watch. Um, Where can people sign up for it? Um, O'ConnorGolf.ca. When we go, we don't have it quite up yet, okay. Uh, but I'll have it up early next week, and people can can sign up for it. Well, maybe you uh, could also share that announcement on our Facebook page, which is I'm gonna I'm yeah. also because I'm gonna put a little posting up there today, uh, just basically saying you know I'm uh, I got you know I'm I'm happy to work with somebody. If you want to talk about decade, I'm now decades certified. All right. Cool. All, All right, right, man. Well, great great show, and again, congrats on that. That's Thanks. fantastic. O'ConnorGolf.ca is where you find out more about what's going on with Coach Tim. Uh, Humble and Fred Radio. Actually, you can go both. HumbleandFred.com or HumbleandFredRadio.com because we're not on the radio anymore. Radio. Uh, and, of course, thank you very much. Uh, TaylorMade, congratulations on getting Brooke uh, Henderson to join the uh, the roster of Tim and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're you know, when she saw that Taylor May had re-upped with us, oh yeah, that's that's she she was on the fence. She went, "No, I'm in. I'm if in. Those guys are in. I'm into." I just when do we get the call to be in the commercial with Brooke? Anyway, uh, and Jonathan Wong, JW Apparel Inc. And uh, until we see you next time. Mighty strictly rhythm, he doesn't wanna make it cry.